Well, I, I believe that. I think that we're, we believe that the Comforter has come. That's one of the unique things, I, I suppose, about, about the gospel is that it's, it is here and now. It's not a long ways off in the future or a long ways back in the past, but the Comforter is come. It is now. It is right here. It is come. And this 14th chapter of St. John says, If you love me, keep my commandments. This was, this was Jesus talking to his disciples just, just before they came out with torches and with lanterns to take him away. And he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. We've just been through this in Sunday school, and uh, it's a mystery to me how people can read the scriptures and come up with conclusions that are so far off base from what the Word of God teaches. But it is a mystery. The Bible says that, that it is a mystery. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we're talking about when we say the Comforter has come. We're talking about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, we can set him up as our God, and we can say that we serve him, and we can tag ourselves any, with anything we want to, but until the Comforter is come, until that actually happens, that the Spirit of Truth dwells inside, then we don't have the salvation that the Brother John was telling us about in the 14th and the 15th and the 16th chapter of St. John. <coughs> But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, if you want to know what it is, the Comforter is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You want to read on through there. Just a little while later, Jesus told Peter, said, Peter says, I'll go with you anywhere. I'll go with you to death. Jesus says, a cock will crow twice, thou hast denied me thrice. And Peter did that very thing. He began to warm himself by the fire. There, and they come up to him and they says, you're, you're, one, of, you're one of his. Your speech betrayed him. No, eventually he began to curse and swear. But I want to tell you what the comforter does. One, Jesus told them people, he says, you go into the city of Jerusalem and carry there in the upper room. And they did that thing and they was all in one place and in one court. And uh, suddenly a mighty rushing wind from heaven came down and filled all that house. And that old Peter that had just recently denied the Lord got filled with the Holy Ghost from heaven. The comforter had come down. It came inside. And it says the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And it began to teach old Peter right on the spot. He began to recall scriptures that he probably hadn't read in a long time. He said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's just the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Ghost inside was reaching back. It was bringing the scriptures 
or two is remembrance. And I will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your young men shall dream dreams, see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass, and never been this way before, but it shall come to pass that whosoever will, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. The Lord opened the door for us that day. He opened the door and no man can shut. And I'm glad that door's open today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Y'all know that. I wouldn't come. I hadn't a, I've been reading a little bit in Colossians. And I'll tell you something. You know, you can get to the place that you can see Jesus in a lot of things. Um, well, let me read some of this to you here. It says, in, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? They hadn't changed that a whole lot since I was in school. That, that leads me to believe it's already been done. He, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood. This is Jesus. If I'm understanding this scripture right, Jesus is all in all. He's the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. We wouldn't have our physical existence if it wasn't for the Lord. He's God of the natural. He's God of the spiritual. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There was a time when forgiveness of sins could come through offering of the blood of bulls and goats. There was a time that it could come through the baptism of John the Baptist. But today, it comes through the blood of Jesus. We have our redemption. We have our forgiveness of sins through him. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. For by him all were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, I just don't think it could be. I don't think we would be here tonight. I don't think this world would be if it wasn't for Jesus. If I understand this right, that's what, I, that's what it leads me to believe. <clears throat> and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. There's a scripture over there. It says, in the year that, that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We need some visions of the Lord today. We need to look around and see 
where the Lord is. I got to thumbing through the scripture the other night while I was reading this. And uh, I thought about uh, Noah. I can just see a little bit of Jesus in that man. <clears throat> when, the, when humanity was at stake, the entire world was at stake. Their, we, their deeds were so wicked. And God looked down and, and it so displeased him. And he was of a mind to destroy everything. Now this was, uh, this was on a natural level. This was on a natural level. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then I thought about on a, on a spiritual level, over in Isaiah, it says, And I looked, and there was no man, nobody, nobody to deliver, no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. And I just, I don't know if there's a lot of relation there, but I could just seem like when I read that, I could see a little bit of Jesus in Noah there. Noah delivered us on a, on a natural level, but Jesus delivered us from death and hell and the grave. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he reconciled. There was a time that we were without hope. We were without God in the world. We were strangers from the uh, covenants of promise. But this Jesus came and reconciled. He brought us into a savable state with God. And I tell you, I believe this thing is real. I, I don't think this is a lot of theology that, that you dig up and you, you work it out. But I, I tell you what I believe. I believe every man's got a conscience. I don't believe people can do wrong without feeling a little bit bad about it. Now, you might, you might callous that conscience over. You might scorch it or burn it up to where you may get to the place that you could do most anything without it bothering you. But, but that's your problem. That's yeah. your fault. Yeah. To begin with, God gave you one. Yeah. You had a conscience. Yeah. And uh, when you begin to, right. to want to make peace with God, and you begin to pray, yeah. there's a God in heaven that answers. Yeah. This is why this is not just theology. You don't have to go to school to learn this. You don't have to study to understand this. But there's a spirit like uh, like Elihu said over there in Job, he said, I said, you know, he held his peace. He let all them other fellows talk and talk and talk. And finally he said, he said, I said days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But he said, there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Well, I tell you, you can just carry that on down. I don't want to take up a lot of time, but... <laughs> but um, 
When Abraham come along, God promised him a son in his old age, a son that would be a miracle, yeah. a child of promise. That child was born. We have a record of it. Abraham received that son, and we understand that. But I see a little bit of Jesus in that promise. I see a little bit of Jesus in that boy. Um, Jesus, was, Jesus' birth was a greater miracle than Isaac's was. Abraham was just an old man. Jesus didn't even have an earthly father. He didn't have any man. <clears throat> and then when Abraham was called to offer that child without any hesitation without one argument not a word he moved about early the next morning and took that child with him up to the mountain and he had the fire with him and all of this and um just about the time, just probably a moment yeah. before he would have done what God had called for him to do, the angel came and stayed his hand and showed him this little ram that was caught in the bushes. I just see a lot of Jesus in that. I don't know if you do or not, but I just see a lot of Jesus in that. I suspect that that father that sent that angel to stay that man's hand knew at that time that there would come a day that it would be his son. And there wouldn't be no one to stay his hand. There wouldn't be no substitute caught in the bushes. But they would have to go through. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life now you can't love without sacrifice you remember that you think it through take it all away cut it any way you want to slice it if you can't sacrifice you can't love and God loved us he loved us when he gave that only begotten son. <clears throat> well, I want to read one more place over here. <clears throat> it's all right. You want to take the first of the Bible and just go through and just see how much Jesus you can see in all those stories. There's a lot of it there. There's an awful lot of it there. <clears throat> when David come on the scene, children of Israel wanted a king so they could be like other nations. The Lord told them they didn't need a king. They rejected Samuel and the judges. And, but but they, they went on, and the Lord never said, I told you so. He went right on and continued to be their God, even through the days of the kings. He, uh, I, I love that kind of God. I just love that. <clears throat> but, but he chose a city back in those days for his name to dwell. It was the city of David. It was the city of Jerusalem. It's still over there today. Still in a turmoil today. But um, way over here in Revelation, in the 21st chapter of Revelation, uh, John the Revelator, they're not like we are today with a 
great crowd of witnesses and a lot of people around to sing and shout with. But over there on that island, exiled alone for the word of God, he began to see things. Now that Jerusalem, they knew something about that city. Those, those people, those Jewish people, they, they knew something about Jerusalem. They knew, what, they knew what David had desired to build. They knew what Solomon had built. They, they knew the prayers that had been prayed. They, they knew about Solomon kneeling on that scaffold and asking the Lord that in, in any province, anywhere, if a man's in trouble, whatever he's done, if he looks in this direction, you hear in heaven and forgive. That was their city. Their temple was there. That was their center of worship. They knew something about that. And for ages it had been besieged and it had been taken away and it had been torn down and built back up and torn down and built back up. And they, they longed for the day that they could be back in peace and dwell in that city. It was their city. But way over here, John the Revelator in the Spirit, talking about the Spirit, he said, I saw, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He wasn't the only one that saw it. Apostle Paul saw it when he was talking in Hebrews there. He says, you're not coming to the mount that might be, that might be touched and that burned, but you're coming to the, to the city of the living God, the holy Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. This comforter that we was talking about a while ago is the same thing that was dwelling in Apostle Paul when he, when he saw it. Same thing was in John the Revelator when he saw it. And if you see it, that's where you're going to see it. You're going to see it by the Spirit. We're living in the days of the Spirit. We're living in the days of the Spirit. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now David desired to build him a house, and Solomon did build him a house, but in the days of the Spirit, the tabernacle of God is with men. What kind of house are we going to build to give glory to God? I'd like to know. I'd like to know what architect we would hire. Yeah. Where would we get our materials? What, would, what can we build to give glory to God? You know what he wants? He wants humility. He wants obedience. Oh, Saul come back there. Saul come back there with a whole multitude of folks he was going to sacrifice to God. And he said, he come up there with his testimony. I've done everything the Lord said do. Samuel says, what is this bleeding of the sheep? What is this lowing of the oxen? Didn't you know that to obey is better than sacrifice? And to hearken than the fat of rams? That's what God is calling for. He wants that more than he wants sanctuaries. He wants that more than he wants buildings. He wants people that will yield themselves to God. As those that are alive from the dead. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, 
having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. I'm not going to read all this, but it is, I tell you, when you get in the Spirit and you begin to see some things, you see differently in the Spirit than you do uh, any other way. You, you, You see things clear. It's like the prophet said one time, says, Lord, open his eyes. I was feeling so sorry for him. Feeling so sorry for him, said, Lord, open his eyes. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? In God I have found a retreat where I can securely abide. No refuge, no rest so complete. And here I intend to abide. We found it. It is in the Lord. Everything that God spoke of, everything that he wrote of, every promise that he gave, every covenant that he gave, everything that this pointed to, Jesus stands for all of it. Every bit of it. There's nothing that consists outside of him. He is the top and the bottom and the sides, the beginning, the end, the all and all. There's nothing without him. And when we can see that and believe and be thankful for what God has done, it'll, I tell you, it'll make you pretty humble. It'll make you feel very small that the grace of God reached down this far to us. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. I love to read the scriptures. I love to sing the songs of Zion. I love to sing and shout. I love to live right. I love to treat people right. I love to rise up in the morning with a song of heaven on my mind. That's a good way to live, Brother Harry. I ain't never seen anything to beat it. That's a sanctified life. You used to say a lot of times, aren't you glad you're sanctified? You hadn't asked me tonight, but I'll tell you, I'm glad I'm sanctified. Nothing else that I've ever seen, nothing else I've ever caught a glimpse of attracts me like living a sanctified life. So I'm glad to be here and y'all pray for me.